The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike and we're going to discuss the happenings of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite this week. Starting off with Stock Up, Stock Down. Stock Up, Stock Down. All right, Joel. I didn't expect this to be the number one thing that we'd be talking about today, but I loved everything with Brian Pillman, MJF, and Wardlow tonight. This was really, really interesting. And to recap, MJF came out pissed. <laughs> like MJF was a toddler throwing a tantrum based from his loss to Jericho. And then just completely starts ripping his what Aunt Linda at ringside, uh, who raised uh Brian Pillman Jr., um, taking shots at Cincinnati, taking shots at the family, and Brian Pillman, we've talked about this before, Joel. He came out with a live mic on the stage and cut, I think, a really, really good, mature promo. What do you think of this segment as a whole? Uh, I mean, as you would probably predict, my favorite thing from this segment was Wardlow. Um, (laughs) I am an unabashed uh, fan. I I love his body language and in this segment it kind of broke down and pillman starts to attack mjf and before pillman attacks mjf mjf had told wardlow to go stand in the corner and look pretty oh are you gonna help me like you to help me win like you did on sunday like damn (laughs) yeah and so wardlow is like raising an eyebrow and, and he's visibly like annoyed with mjf in this situation and he takes a little bit longer than he yep. normally would to throw Pillman off of MJF. It was a very and casual then, response. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that continued for the rest of the segment. So I really enjoyed that dynamic of it. And a- another thing that I was really glad to see is that we're done, at least for now, with, with MJF Jericho. and Chris Jericho. Yes. And I think that's a very good thing because we had a really fantastic feud uh, came to a nice conclusion. MJF still has the advantage in the win-loss record. So even though he, quote-unquote, lost the mm-hmm. the match at All Out, um, he's still in a position where he can tout his victories, heal off, and maintain his heat. Uh, and then, of course, he also still has his, his crew, you know, the different people who are in the pinnacle that make him a major threat. So he doesn't seem to have sustained any damage coming out of all nope. out and uh positioning him against an up and coming baby face and Brian Pillman in his hometown. Like, yeah, they're it's also like... both um veterans of MLW. That's where they both were prior to coming to AEW. So they've faced each other before. I think the match that we get between them is going to be really good. These two yeah. know each other well and should be able to put on a very good quality match playing to each other's strengths. Yeah, I was real. I was really impressed with this here. And yeah, MGF doesn't seem to have lost any heat. What's a good way to get heat if you may have lost some shit on a baby face in his hometown? <laughs> like <laughs> it's a it's a very good way to do it. I mean, <laughs> so I I don't think shit on a baby face really does it justice here. Uh, no, eviscerate <laughs> reference <laughs> reference his deceased father. His mom's uh, drug problem. Yeah, suggest his mother has drug problems, that his sister was uh, a teenage pregnancy (laughs) case and also hideous. Um, 
threaten to <laughs> knock out his aunt Linda and then yep. suggest finally suggest that he should have been aborted. Like, yeah, this... <laughs> like any one of those, any one of those is a heat seeking missile in front of yeah. the hometown crowd, by the way, yeah. Cincinnati, which is where Brian Pillman Jr. is from. And, you know, you have to when you when you get a promo like this that's like pulling in all these real things and I, I imagine they talked about it beforehand and and that the family members knew what to expect yeah but still like you do have to ask yourself is there a line and does this cross it like <laughs> it you know bad you also forgot the line where he suggested that his mother should have swallowed him like all of the other potential Pillman babies like what the fuck like like yeah it it was definitely aggressive and you would have to very like, edgy very edgy yes. tv 14 we would say yes this is <laughs> this is one of the more like attitude era promos we've gotten in a while in aew um yeah you would have to believe that pillman jr and his family were, were like yes it's okay to touch on this and they've really kind of avoided talking about some of the like negative aspects of brian pillman senior and the stuff that we know, you know, like the dark side of the ring uh, episode. So uh, this kind of feels like the first time they've leaned into this a bit. Um, but yeah, Joel, I, I was like you, I was, I was taken aback. And I, I think the thing is, is like, it really does when you like, you just find someone who's frustrated, like pissed off with their life and they just rant. Like that was MJF. He was mad. He was mad. He lost to Jericho and he just found someone to take it out on. Like had they interacted in AEW at all? Before this, I mean, I, there may have been like a tag Maybe? team match that happened yeah. a while back that was, you know, probably before the Varsity Blondes were calling themselves the Varsity yeah. Blondes. I mean, so, so it's like out of nowhere, it'd be like me being pissed and being like calling someone from like ten years ago, like, "Hey, fuck you," like, <laughs> <laughs> and your mom and your dad and your sister too. Like, I don't know. I I do. I did have like, is this too much? Is this crossing the line? But what I loved about it is that it put Pillman in this gigantic baby face position. And it also gives him a story that it's it's him. We've only really mm -hmm. seen him in varsity blonde stuff. Um, he didn't come out wearing his varsity blonde gear. He came out rocking some Cincinnati Bengals gear. And Griff Garrison wasn't at his side until the, the, the beatdown occurred. Um, so this, I just think this is a really good example of the steady build we've seen them do with the varsity blondes. And then put them in a story that goes beyond just, hey, we we are tag teams and we are winning and we want to get a title match. Like, this is a real story and it's going to build. I think they're going to be at the Grand Slam episode at Arthur Ashe Stadium. So it gives them two weeks to really kind of build this little mini feud. And what a way to start. Like, and once again, I was really impressed with Brian Pillman Jr. on the mic tonight because we've noticed that a lot of their segments have been recorded backstage interview segments where they can start over if it feels stiff or if it doesn't feel right, like to go out on the stage like that. And MJF basically kind of broke the fourth word. You want to go on the mic against me? Like, yeah. And he, he, he stood his own. I, I was really, I really like this and I am really excited for this match and what the ceiling is of a talent like Brian Pillman Jr. Cause he's still pretty young too. Like this is, this is a, a really young guy and it's going to be great. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I want to comment briefly on Griff Garrison coming out looking like a gigantic skater kid. <laughs> yeah. Where the, the sneakers Agreed. and the tall black socks with his shorts and, you know, just the big hair and everything. It just totally looked like a giant skater kid. Yeah, basically, if you if you fuse Jungle Boy and Darby Allen and gave him like two feet of height, I think you get that. Um, Joel, anything else you want to talk about this segment before we move on to our, our next item? Well, I mean, it's the moment where I once again say, hey, now would be a great time to build us towards the Wardlow MJF feud. <laughs> like, I want it so bad. Uh, partially because, like, I just want to see Wardlow doing different stuff. Yeah. Um, his, his body language in this segment was fantastic. Like, he looked like a frustrated dad when his kid does something wrong. Like, like he, when he was standing in the corner and then he looked over and he's like, oh, fuck. And like slowly walked over to deal with it. Like it, it was really good. He was, it was subtly and funny. Wardlow being irritated by MJF is now just a consistent part of his character. So <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like a tease anymore. Yep. Like they're teasing the two of them going at it with one another because it's all the time. Right. So, you know, he's the, the disgruntled employee that, you know, he knows where his money's coming from. So he puts yep. up with it. But when when is that breaking point going to come? And uh, I think it's got to come eventually. Mike, yeah. let's move on to our <laughs> next topic. Uh, we had uh, a great match at All Out between CM Punk and Darby Allen, which left a, a little bit of an opening. What is CM Punk going to be doing next? We got an answer to that, presumably, on this episode of Dynamite with Punk and Taz having a little tete-a-tete on the mic. This was cool, man. Like we, this, this was just from a, like a history of wrestling. This was a cool moment to see CM Punk in the ring, Taz up on the stage, going back and forth and, uh, in a promo. I loved it. And I don't recall, was Taz still doing commentary for WWE when Punk was there? Like, I don't, uh, I don't know. Maybe the tail end of his commentary career there, but well, he was still there because I think he was initially part of the commentary team when they did ECW? the new ECW. Okay. Was, so, so I think there is at least some overlap there mm-hmm. um, because that's of course where punk debuted with WWE. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, that's, that's a kind of a and even then, area for me. And, and Taz was, he wasn't a, he was a commentator. He didn't get involved in stories. He wasn't really like he sometimes would go heelish if he needed to, but it wasn't like he wasn't actively involved. So this was just really cool to see because we know what Taz was. We know what he's doing with Team Taz. And Joel, you mentioned pre-show that you ex- you thought, ooh, are we getting CM Punk Ricky Starks? S- slow your roll, dude. <laughs> Apparently we're getting CM Punk and Powerhouse Hobbs. And Joel, you are in on Hobbs so early. Stock at record low prices when you bought it. Um, Tell me how you how you what you're thinking about this potential match and little story he could possibly have with Team Taz as a whole. I'm really excited for this. I like Will Hobbs a lot. And uh, every time he is in the ring, every time he has a match, it's really, really impressive. And uh, there's a handful of wrestlers in AEW and outside of AEW, but we'll focus on the ones in AEW who you kind of trick yourself into thinking that what you remembered is an exaggeration. Like 
uh, and actually his opponent tonight is one of those people. So we can talk about the match as well. He faced off with Dante Martin mm -hmm. and both of these guys, you start to think now there's no way that Dante Martin jumps that high off of a standing <laughs> position. There's no way that Will Hobbs gets people that high up for his spine buster. And then you see the beginning, you're like, Oh no, my memories are accurate. They absolutely yep. do. And yep, yep. Uh, I really love this match. And I really like this pairing. You know, CM Punk was the bigger competitor against Darby. And this is an opportunity for him to kind of work from beneath. Mm -hmm. And I think that's compelling and interesting. Even if Will Hobbs doesn't win, which I don't think he will no, in a matchup with no. CM Punk, uh, it's way too early for Punk to take any L's. Um, yeah. It's still a huge spot for him and demonstrates a lot of confidence from management that he's ready to be in a spot like this. Obviously, he's got Taz to do a lot of the talking. Yep. We haven't seen a lot of promo work from Will Hobbs. I'm hoping that we see some in this feud because I think being out there with someone like Punk is yeah. a bit of a security blanket. And yeah. I'd like yeah. to see him, even if it's just a Brock Lesnar kind of grab the mic from Taz and deliver a one-liner that, yeah. you know, Taz expects to do all the talking. And so we get that kind of awkward moment between talent and manager. Uh, I'd like to see that. Yeah. And I think being across the, you know, across the ring from CM Punk in that regard is he's like a good improv partner. You know, he's not going to put you in a bad spot. And if you say something that comes off weird or doesn't hit right, you know, CM Punk's going to get you out of the situation and it's going to, it's going to work. Um, and yeah, I, I like this because it, it goes with what CM Punk said when he debuted a few weeks ago, he wants to work with the young talent. He wants to see what they got. And you know, his first match was, was Darby Allen. His second match is now going to be with Will Hobbs. Like, he's doing that. And it seems like Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson's the one who's going to be working with some of the upper-end talent, like more known names right now while Punk does this. And I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I think that works. Um, I, I will say I do agree on Taz on one thing. The CM Punk promos have kind of been like, hey, I'm here. Look, I'm back. We got a great show for you tonight. You know, like the weekend is here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, am I wrong? Like they, they are a little, they're a little too baby face for me right now. Well, I, I think it was like totally natural leading up to all out. And then I yeah. think the effusive over the top, like yay, AEW promo that he cut on last night's show was to set up Taz you know, like, I think that was very intentional because it did feel really out of character. Like, yeah, hey, rah, rah, rah. Why, why is he talking about the main event and like promoting the show while on the show? This feels yeah. like, like, I was ready for him to kick CM off a monologue, like SNL, like facing the hard cam and like introducing the band. Like it was very, it and was so very weird, but <laughs> knowing that it was in service of what the angle was going to be with Taz, like, I think he did a masterful job. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like I, I'd like to see now a harder edge CM Punk. And, uh, you and know, he ended the promo with that. He's like, send me yeah. Stark, send, send Hook, send me Hobbs. And then he, little gimmick infringement here, beat me mm -hmm. if you can, survive if I let you. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it was good. I'm excited for this. All those match, maybe not Hook. We don't know what Hook can do, but uh, Ricky Starks and CM Punk could put on a barn burner match. The, the, could you imagine those two talking in the ring? Like, 
<laughs> I mean, we talked about it. We talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, like, like, who's the person that you would want to see? Um, my answer was Ricky Starks. And this is something that you could. You could do this little feud because I think this match, I, I don't think it's announced, but this would make a lot of sense to be on the Grand Slam show in two weeks. Like, they're promoting that as a big event. They've already announced some matches for it. Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes. Um, there's one more. I'm missing it. But it would make make a lot of sense for this to be one of the headliners for this show. And then you could very easily transition into, well, Team Taz is not done with you because all of our members have not lost to you yet. You can then have CM Punk and Ricky Starks either at another show in October, or you could even make that uh, a full gear match if you wanted to, if you wanted to stretch it that far. So um, <clears throat> a lot of opportunities here and a lot of, you know, fun stuff. And it's, you know, Team Taz is going to eat another L, but whatever. That's what they do. So I, what do you think about it? Punk, you know, beats Hobbs and then he wants to move on from Team Taz. So Ricky Starks challenges and puts the FTW title on the line. <laughs> and CM Punk wins the FTW championship. I think that would be pretty rad. And, oh, baby. <laughs> well, you know, one of the chief complaints that I see online with the FTW belt is like, oh, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares about the FTW belt. You know how to make people care about the FTW belt? Put it you on, put CM, it on Punk. CM Punk. Yeah. All of a sudden it's, you know, amazingly relevant and it then gives him a prop not that he needs one yeah but you know it, it allows you to make anything you want make sense that's the great thing about having a title and i think it would be cool and interesting starks winning it off of brian cage felt like an important moment yeah. and i think if that belt starts to move around a little bit more uh i, I think that would be of benefit uh to the the prestige of the belt. Cause... I, I just want the picture of CM fucking punk with that belt around his waist. <laughs> like that's just, that would be, be wild. Cool. Like it just be, be a cool. cool photo. So yeah, I, I I'm excited for this. That would be pretty cool too. Um, Joel, anything to say about CM punk or team Taz before we, uh, we move forward. I think, uh, I think we've exhausted that. Well, uh, pretty, pretty much totally. Uh, we did have one other debut that took place, in a sense. We had the first singles match of Ruby Soho's career, and she also was involved in a promo segment with Britt Baker that I thought was really good. I liked the angle that she issued an open challenge because, you know, winning a battle royal is is, is as much about luck as it is about skill, right? Mm -hmm. And so the acknowledgement of that in kayfabe um, was a nice flavor to add to this. So it's like, okay, I'm going to call out the locker room. Whoever wants to step up and face me, I want to prove what I can do in the ring because that's what matters in mm -hmm. this company. And, you know, this match with Jamie Hayter, I thought was really good. And um, it was great to see Ruby Soho in the ring and uh, in a traditional match, you know, really getting to go out and show her stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to me, like, I know the in-ring work is going to be great because we've seen it. We know it we didn't really get to see her really get to let loose and kind of show her character a lot in the other wrestling company. So I, I really enjoyed the backstage segment and poor Tony, he's getting called out by multiple people for his friendship with Brit this week. <laughs> like Ruby. So saying, Hey, I know she's your girl, but I'm going to whoop her ass. And then Adam Cole basically saying, if you look at my girl, funny, we're going to have problems. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> so yeah. poor Tony. Um, but yeah, this is this is a good development for the women's division. We've talked about how they haven't had that kind of free agent signing that is a shot in the arm for the division, and Ruby Soho is that. Um, some of the lines in that segment too, with like Baker basically saying like, "You spent four years at catering," which is just yeah, savage. That's some cold <laughs> shit. Uh, but I also I really liked you know I I don't think promos were really what stood out about Ruby's time in the other wrestling company. I thought that the things that she was given to say just felt well. Yeah, like that's what that's what I mean. Really it's like over the top and out of character. Um, and, and then getting to see her be able to be like quietly on the mic, just like. Oh, Brittany. Yeah. I know exactly what you're doing. Uh, you're trying yeah. to point out all of these things about yourself because you want to distract people from all the things that you're not. Yeah. I thought that was a great line. And yeah. if, if she's going to be able to deliver those kind of incisive promos and cut people down, uh, I mean, she could end up as a pretty vicious heel at some point. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I'm really liking this character so far. Looking mm-hmm. forward to more. And I thought this was a great promo and a great match, which is a great sign for the division. Yeah. And also, too, um, the post-match beatdown, we saw uh, Riho come try to make a save, which was interesting. We ha- If you didn't know, out there she's moved to the United States, so we should be seeing Riho more and more on television with more consistency. And um, then uh, Chris Statlander came out to make the save, too, with the chair. So it seems like they have some stuff developing here. and. This is why I was so excited when we had what is a new state, like a faction with Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel. Like, factions are good. And, like, if you use them right, it can really make for some good stories. Like, for example, you have six women in this story now, even though Soho is the number one contender. But you could have matches between all six of these people over the next few weeks if you wanted. You could have tag team matches. You could do a six-woman match. Like, there's a lot of possibilities by having a group of villainous heels like this. Well, and there are some other natural teams forming in the women's division right mm-hmm. now. We have Ty J back together uh, yep. with Anna J returning from injury. And then Allie and Penelope Ford have yeah. been working together. And I think that, you know, all of these developments are positive and there, there seems to be better forward momentum within the division uh, than there has been lately. A lot of this talent yep. is coming in, coming back. And uh, I- I'm just hopeful that they continue to get more and more time on yeah. the two weekly television shows. Um, and it, and it looks like Jay Cargill is going to have her first real story since the Shaq match. Uh, and the video package talking about how I learned not to trust anybody because wasn't it Nyla Rose who eliminated her from yep. behind after they were working together. Um, and Nyla Rose basically saying, I'm still what the baddest bitch in this division or most dominant force in this division. Like, mm-hmm. so from that one match, the Casino Battle Royal, we have like three feuds coming out of it. Um, and then you still have Chris Statlander not having having unfinished business with Britt Baker. So it is a positive development. I would love to see all of these matches, these stories to be resolved on Dynamite or Rampage. Like, I don't want to see the eventual tag match between, was it Tay Conti? Uh, no, Jay Con- What would you call it? Ty J. <laughs> Ty J. I was not even close. Ty J. And Penelope Ford and the Bunny to be on like dark. Like, if you're gonna give this some time, make that the women's match on Rampage because they've been consistently giving us one women's match, at least a segment on Rampage, and that'd be a great place to resolve it. So, um, yeah, I definitely, Joel, we've been kind of burned with the women's division here. Like every time we think we're gonna get what we want, you know, 
multiple stories at once, it kind of trickles back to, well, we have the championship story. So I'm, I am cautiously optimistic with the developments from this week and we'll see how it goes. And in fairness, like, and I'm going to talk about this in lightning round, uh, but the, like the company is doing these stories. They're just not on TV. Yeah. And it needs to be on TV. It can't be relegated to the YouTube shows. Uh, but let's, uh, let's get into lightning round. Cause there's a lot of other things from this week mm-hmm. to talk about. Lightning round. Want me to go? Oh, okay. Um, I was not prepared to go first. <laughs> All right. Well, I, since I just mentioned it, I'll talk about um, the a couple of things from AEW Dark this week. A little bit of news. Uh, we got a new signing to AEW, a name that some of you might be familiar with, Lee Moriarty, one of the top independent wrestlers out there, super talented, and uh, a great, great character. So was really excited to see he had done a few matches on Dark. And after the most recent match that he had on this week's edition of Dark, he was offered a contract and has signed with AEW. So that's super exciting. Uh, he is... Uh, oh, wow. He has a really good match next week on Dark. Did you yeah. see who he's facing? Yeah. So Fuck. I might have to watch Dark next week. It's him yes. versus Danny Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> There, there's some really good stuff. And and Dark, it appears, is back to the old format. Um, and that's exciting because it was um, really, really good at the outset of AEW. Oh, yeah. And then once they started taping it independently, it just got really, really long and bloated. And this week's episode was an hour and 15 minutes. Um, yeah. And it was really good stuff. The headline, the main event of Dark this week was Big Swole and Diamante in a three strikes match where the first fall was by pinfall. The second fall is by submission and the third is by knockout. Jesus Christ. So it was a really fun match, really good stuff and just an interesting stipulation. It felt a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, And (laughs) the third fall was also no disqualification. So, okay. well, yeah, if you're going to knock someone out, you might need a Right. So after chair. the first two falls, <laughs> the rule book is out the window. And it was really, really neat to see the way they put this match together. Uh, and I uh, highly well, we, encourage we, anyone to go back and watch it. It's really fun. And uh, I'm a big fan of Swole. And so it was great to see her in uh, a, a kind of featured match on, even if it was on Dark. I felt like yeah. it should have been on Dynamite. But you know, the rest of the feud between she and Diamante has not been on TV. So, you know, I get it. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that I want to be on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, that's an example of just how uh, AEW has taken match types that we know of. Oh, we know two out of three falls. We've seen those matches. Just adding a little spice to it, a little twist to it to make it a little different. You know, it's not quite what we've seen, but it's not a huge deviation. So that that's really cool. I'm pro- I'll, I'll probably throw that on as I uh, start getting ready for football tonight as I clean and cook and stuff. Maybe I'll watch that match. Um, Joel, the first thing I wanted to talk about on my end, uh, while the match had some interesting, like some weird spots, uh, I thought Minoru Suzuki and John Moxley was uh, served its purpose. We got a big pop for the hometown guy. I also noticed that like Suzuki wasn't just automatically booed throughout the match either. Like you would see in some hometowns, like he was getting cheers um he ended up needing like seven or eight like stitches staples to stop that bleeding over his eye 
Like, I'm not surprised. Heads bleed yeah, a lot. He was bleeding quite a bit. Um, and mainly what I saw is I saw a funny meme on Twitter. It's Tony Khan. So, Mox, who would you want to feud with? NJPW. Oh, anyone in particular? NJPW. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I really hope we get more of this, this NJPW crossover. Um, and I just, I've always loved Suzuki ever since you got me into NJPW. Like he's always been one of my like favorites in that company. And just seeing him just being a badass on American TV. It's just, it's just special, man. Like who would have thought? <laughs> well, and you know, it's, it's been thought for a long time that strong style, wouldn't translate to the American audience. And I think the AEW audience is they're into it. They're trained to respect what's taking place. And if, if the company positions something and tells you, this is a big deal, mm-hmm. there's a group of the fans that are going to react appropriately. Yeah. Like the fan base is much better at playing their part yes. than the, you know, fans of the other wrestling company, at least in, in my experience, you know, we had, the hardest time getting anybody to cheer for any baby face in, in yeah. WWE. And, you know, even if the heels are cool heels, they're still getting booed Yeah, because that's what you do. It's a respectful boo. They're doing a good job being evil. So I'm going yeah. to boo them, even though I like this performer. Or how we only get CM Punk chants during CM Punk segments. Oh, that is such a relief. <laughs> like, and I, I think that goes to Tony learned a lesson from the best friends. You got to give the people what they want. We sure. walk home a lot more. Like a lot of the time we walk home happy after these shows. Like I haven't had a show where I'm like, Oh, I didn't, the person I wanted to win didn't win. Like most of the time, I'm like, yeah, that was fucking awesome. Man. I'm a happy camper. Joel. Well, so often <laughs> it's like the matches are okay. It's this person that you like against this person that you like, yeah. you know? Well, so- that too. It's hard to be upset with the outcomes. And, you know, there have been matches where we we wanted it to go the other way for story reasons or Mm -hmm. because we wanted a certain person to be elevated. But you get over it much more quickly because you're getting enough of what you want that it doesn't feel like you're being trolled by the company. And I think an example of, like, you you saying the crowd, like, respects the roles is, like, I remember early when Christian started his, like, feud with Kenny, like, they were just going back to touring. I was a little concerned that, the AEW fans were like, why is this old guy facing Kenny Omega when we have Hangman Page? We have all these guys. And they have the fans have followed the babyface heel roles of that feud really well. Like I never felt there was a moment where like Kenny was getting cheered over Christian just because he's Kenny. So stock up AEW fans, I guess. <laughs> all right, buddy, what do you got for me? So I am really enjoying everything that's going on with the Dark Order. And mm-hmm. I liked the development of of this kind of six-man tag team match where you had Uno and Grayson uh, with John Silver, who's kind of been on the other side of the Dark Order divide. And I, I love a dysfunctional tag team. I love it. And this match concluded after John Silver inadvertently knocked Evil Uno off the apron uh, leading to Silver taking a massive tag team move from FTR yeah. and Sean Spears and eating the pinfall. And then they got mad. And then uh, Anna Jay and Ty Conti came out on stage and were just shaking their heads and like, what are you doing? Why are you not listening to us? Like, we're a family. We need to get along. And I am hopeful that we're going to get more and more leadership of this group 
from Anna Jay because she seems to be stepping up into that role. I thought she was really good in mm-hmm. the uh, pre-match kind of promo segment, segment that the yep. Dark Order had. And uh, I'm, I'm liking this. I'm looking forward to more. I'm ready for the Dark Order to be a powerful force within AEW. And uh, I'm hopeful that after they work out their issues that they can get to that place. Yeah, they've had a weird run, man. <laughs> Dark Order. Like, they debuted in the summer of 2019 and we were like, eh. like why are they pushing these guys so hard and then they started the creepy videos and the vignettes and then the exalted one Brody lee you know debuted and then they were like one of the hottest things in wrestling and then um, you know unfortunately Brody lee passed away and they had a weird kind of existence there then they had this really fun slapstick comedy gimmick (laughs) with um you know with hangman page so they've they've had an interesting run here and yeah it what what have, I've learned a lot of things over the, my in my life, Joel. And when you have a bunch of whiny men, it takes a strong woman to keep them in order. So um, <laughs> I'm hoping Anna Jay and Tekanti can get these little shitheads in line because I don't think I'm quite ready for the Dark Order to to break up. But we'll have to, we'll have to see. And yeah, I where's where's negative one when you need a man? Like what the fuck? Kindergarten, third, fourth Second grade, grade. I think. Second grade. That's not more important than the Dark Order, my man. Get back here. We need you. Um, uh, Joel, I want to talk real quick about the the Elite segment. Um, I like that Adam Cole got his own separate entrance. Uh, I think it's important to establish that he's a big deal. And having him come out and being a lackey like... Sorry, I love Gallows and Anderson. They're not... You know, they're, they're goons. You know, they're your muscle. Same thing with cutler and and nakazawa but adam cole's a big deal and his music kicks ass by the way if you, if you haven't listened to it i really yeah, enjoy what's good what they they made for him and uh yeah uh, <laughs> daniel bryan's trying to cut to the front of the line dude and that that just don't sorry brian brian danielson i'm never gonna get that right Fuck. <laughs> oh side note so i was at Kyra my i was at my physical therapy today and we established with my PT last week that her family watches wrestling. They like NXT. They like AEW. And she was like, hey, question. When wrestlers switch companies, do they get to keep the same name? And I got to explain how creative in WWE works. How, well, his real name is Brian Danielson. So he's just going to go back to using that. And it took her a second. And she was like, wait, they really just named him Daniel Bryan? I'm like, yes. Yes. So... Back to it. Well, I mean, that's a time honored <laughs> tradition. Sean Michaels' real name is Michael Sean Higginbottom. <laughs> well, he should have been Higginbottom Sean. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just it's funny, and uh, I I I wonder if we're gonna go straight to this match. I kind of feel like the Brian Jamison that you know we known would want to earn his dues, but maybe this is a new Brian Jamison. We just wants to kick heads in, and God, Kenny Omega. Daniels, Brian Danielson would tear down the house. That match would be so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm interested to see like how this gets played out. I think it could be cool to see uh, Brian Danielson kind of work his way through the elite gauntlet yeah. style. Um, and that could even happen in one night, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's done it. And, and we saw, a, a, I guess it was probably a couple of years ago at this point, Seth Rollins, did a gauntlet match that he started in and was in for like an, an hour, hour and seven minutes, minutes or yeah. something. 
and that was one of my favorite episodes of raw from like the last 10 years yeah kofi did something similar when he was trying to get that wrestlemania shot that year where he ended up losing Yep, because they had remember uh, Daniel match. Bryan come out, mm-hmm. and then the New Day won a gauntlet match where they were in it for like forty minutes the next week to secure him as title match. God damn, that story was awesome! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like tearing up thinking about it. What a story! Ah, oh, man, so yep. good. <laughs> Gotta love Kofi Mania, but uh, I think that would be kind of a fun thing. And I don't think AEW has really done that. The no. super long gauntlet match with someone just desperately pulling out victories as yeah. they get person after person after person thrown at them and they get more and more beaten down as it goes along. You can literally Goodness make that half a dynamite in the elite, you yeah. know? Yeah. You, you could have, you could literally make that the second hour of a dynamite if you wanted to, or make that a whole rampage. One rampage <laughs> is, is Brian Danielson gauntlet match. Oh man. Give me the book, Tony. That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I also think there's some potential here with, uh, a potential group on group thing. You know, we have Danielson with, you know, look who ran out today. It was Christian cage and Jurassic express. Also, did you notice Marco's stunt just jumped into Brandon Cutler's arms, Cutler's holding him and he's just punching him in the head like this. It was, <laughs> it was seriously one of the funniest visuals I've ever seen. It's like, like if a monkey like attacks someone, like they would hold you with their legs and just punch you in the face. Monkeys it was vicious, man. Yeah, dude. dude. It made me laugh so hard. But yeah, there's there's a lot of potential here. It in terms of the overall segment, it was fine. Like there was nothing too like intriguing of it. But the ideas of what can come from this overbooked to me. Yeah. Because um, so I also I like- feel like both both Brian Danielson and Adam Cole should have maybe deserved their just own segment. I don't know if everyone gets the CM Punk treatment where they get to talk to the crowd why they're here, but. They're bigger. Well, they're big stars too. So I, I was excited initially when when Danielson came out and you know basically asked for the ring, and the elite kind of you know obliged, capitulated, and it's Omega and Danielson. I'm like, great, just the two of them in the ring talking crap to one another. This is the kind of thing that I want to see. And then of course it broke down into suddenly there's 30 people at ringside (laughs) and there's way too much going on. I don't love that kind of segment. I know it's kind of a personal taste sort of thing. There are people out there who like seeing, you know, all the run-ins and things, but not my jam. Uh, But I, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next. Mm -hmm. You got something else for me here? We're not very lightning in this lightning round segment. No, we're not. We weren't still in stock up, stock down. Um, I'm, I'm glad that Eddie Kingston and Miro is not done. Yeah. Yeah. The finish I think led to it being able to continue and they should be put a good match. And I, I like, uh, what, what do you say? I'll give my, give your body to my bride and your soul to my God bones. I'll give bones. bones. Yes. That was really good. Um, a quick thing here, uh, kind of a rebound night for the pinnacle where they just acknowledge that the pinnacle is a thing. I feel like we haven't really acknowledge that they're a group since the five labors of Jericho ended and we were leading to this match. Um, very intrigued by the Sean Spears, t- uh, Darby Allen thing that they're setting up and Tully maybe hinting that he wants to face sting. <laughs> I mean, he talked about it. Like he's got inside knowledge from, from Tony Khan. Like he said, we yeah. will face each other again. Yeah. Like what? What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if anyone can make it work, it's these two old men in AEW. 
We saw him in the ring with FTR earlier this summer. So whatever. Fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was going to bring that up also. I um, I'm curious to see, like, what kind of match could the two of them have? Uh, David Shoemaker has long talked about, like, having a legends division that yeah. is like, you know, <laughs> 55 and up. <laughs> yep. Uh, was it be like 55 live on sci-fi <laughs> network? <laughs> um, well, Joel, I think we almost have everything. I want to mention one last thing. I just really like the pairing of Dan Lambert with the men of the year. Um, it's really working. They're, Scorpio sky and Ethan page are both got on the mic, but just having a mouthpiece this hated, um, I think is just a, a great fit. And one of the main things we were excited about of the tag team title switching up is that the division is open again for new stories, new matches, and an Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, Lucha Brothers feud could be clutch. So really, really like this pairing and we're really excited to see where it goes. All right. I think I think we covered everything. So hey, it's only forty minutes. Look at that. Good job, Joel. Uh, you guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at OWS underscore Pod, Joel at the Other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can email us at the Other Wrestling Show at gmail dot com. You can find the podcast on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere that we are, anywhere, blah, blah, blah. anywhere there are podcasts, we're there. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. My PT, I think, is going to start listening. So shout out. What up? <laughs> and uh, yeah, Joel, anything to say before uh, I watch the Cowboys upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, I mean, it, it seems like it's probably not a great time to join the Dark Order, but do it anyway. Yeah, they could use your help. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.